so high right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama. Oh my mama, baby, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly. Podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. John Corrales here from Chicago, where it's like seven degrees, and recording this podcast in my car from the airport to the hotel. Sean's getting me to the hotel. Sean, how you doing, man? Hey, how are you? I'm fine. Good, thanks. Good, good. He's uh, getting me through this traffic, and on my way to Chicago, downtown Chicago, for the All-Star Game. But first, got to talk about the Celtics' big win over the Clippers Last night, 141 to 133 in an amazing game that I wish I could have appreciated a little bit more because I had this early flight and I was worried about getting out of there. And of course, it went to double overtime, but I don't care, really, honestly. That was an amazing game. The Celtics dispatching the LA Clippers behind Jason Tatum, who had the best game of his career. And I don't care what other scoring nights that he's had, whatever. This was considering the situation, considering the Celtics were down, considering all these other things. I know that he's had playoff games that were pretty good, but this game here was just phenomenal from him. 39 points. He hit 14 of 23 shots, 5 of 10 from 3. The only downside is he only hit 6 of 10 from the line, but a 9 rebound game. A few turnovers. He had 4, but not only did he play this offensive game, he played a tremendous defensive game against Kawhi Leonard, who had uh, 28 points on the night, but took him 27 shots to do it, 10 of 27, 1 of 6 from 3. And he also had three turnovers. So Jason Tatum, uh, last night I tweeted this out, and maybe, maybe a little caught up in the moment, but you know what, thinking back on it, I stand by it. This is where he became the Celtics' best player. This is where he became the number one guy, and I think everybody just kind of falls in behind him. And this was the difference from this year versus last year, where no one went and took that role. No one, not even Kyrie. Like, Kyrie was the guy, but Kyrie was also uh, not so far and above everybody else. And I think Jason Tatum is starting to really separate himself from everybody else, where he's clearly the guy. When you're looking for a bucket late, you start thinking, like, we, we got to get the ball to Jason Tatum. Now, Kemba Walker is still Kemba Walker. But Kemba is so happy it, to watch Tatum kind of become what he's becoming. Uh, after all of those years in Charlotte where he was the guy, He's I think he's really just kind of happy to kick back, relax. He's still an all-star starter. I mean, he's still a guy that's going to go out there and have his own 15-point quarters and, and clutch shots, and he did again in this one. Uh but he is very happy and willing to take a back seat in certain moments. 
I mean, he was gushing about Jason Tatum. He legitimately, you could see the smile come over his face. He's legitimately happy. Uh, and yeah, you got Gordon Hayward, whose style of play is is just going to lend itself to that. Now, Gordon Hayward didn't have a great shooting night, uh, 6 of 21 for the game, but he was clutch down the stretch. He was the guy in that second overtime. You know, Tatum got them all the way to the end, and then I think with all of the focus on Tatum that Hayward – found his way, uh, hit a big clutch shot, a few defensive plays. I mean, he really was. Getting in there, rebounding, that's something that he did really well in this game. 13 rebounds to go along with his 21 points. Uh, Just big, big plays down the stretch for Gordon Hayward. Like I said, Kemba had a a decent game too, 19 points, but he only shot 5 of 17. 4 of 10 from 3, though. He never really seems to struggle from 3, even on those those days where he has a five for 17 night he still was able to hit the threes he's I think he just struggles when he gets deep into the lane and he's looking for a foul doesn't get a foul forces a shot up kind of gets caught and tries to go foul hunting a little bit and he doesn't get a call Uh, that that's what contributes to some of those poor shooting nights but he's still four of ten from three five of six from the line found him way found his way to nine rebounds and seven assists so Supporting Jason Tatum, who, like I said, in that second half uh, was so clutch. But supporting Jason Tatum, you get these performances, even if it's not the entire game. Even if Gordon Hayward is uh, struggling for parts of the game, stepping up, being good enough to step up in the clutch uh, to to support the guy that's going off. Uh, Same thing with Kemba. Same thing with Daniel Tice, who really is lost in all of this, is Daniel Tice was the unsung hero in this game. The Celtics, for, what was it, uh, 57 minutes of this game, were horrible without Daniel Tice on the floor. And only in the final minute, it seemed, where Grant Williams made a few defensive plays and, and helped seal the win that was the only time where it felt like the Celtics non-Tice big men were were doing anything really effective Daniel Tice is uh, I mean he shot 5 of 9 but he he was just kind of there to take advantage of these opportunities that other guys created he also blocked a couple of shots he had 5 rebounds Um, it's, it's it's one of those games where I think when Robert Williams gets back, that this is going to be a, a type of game where he can really, really shine because the pressure that Tice puts on the rim and the ability to set a pick and the ability to make a pass in those situations, that's big. And Ennis Cantor was just another one of those horrible, horrible games for Ennis Cantor. And uh, Grant Williams was just a little a little overmatched in, in this one. And like I said, up until the very, very end. So uh, that's that's kind of how the, the game flow. Why don't I take a little quick break here and kind of get back into some of the the other uh, things, drill down a little bit, some of the, the bigger things here in this game. Stick around. We'll be coming back with more on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. You are Locked On Celtics, 
your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Back to Tatum, and this, I don't know, I don't want to make too much of one game. You get caught up in these, it was a, you know, the Clippers, it was this, you know, a lot of focus, a lot of uh, attention, a lot of energy, emotion in that building, uh, stepping up and, you know, battling Kawhi. Uh, I, I don't want to overreact to something. This, this is one of Brad Stevens' things. You don't overreact to these types of games. But for Tatum, to go into his bag and to pull out all of the things that he did, so he had step-back threes. He had sidestep threes. He had the up-and-under move in the post. He had drives. Um, all of those things, all of those different ways to score, that's what makes a player elite. That's what makes a player a number one guy. Um, a lot of guys can score pretty well with a move and a counter and have a very nice career and be, like, all-star level. Um, and when I talk about throughout the season and last year the difference between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown like I think this is a game that highlights that, that Jalen Brown can go off and have a game like this um, I think Jalen Brown is a fantastic player he's going to be a multiple time all-star and going to be one of the better players in the league um, I've definitely adjusted my Jalen Brown expectations accordingly to you know match uh, what what his performance is and, and I don't even want to a limit on him. I don't know exactly how good he's going to be. Um, He could be a superstar. You know, if he works at it and continues to grow at this rate, he could be a superstar. But Tatum, I think, is going to be a next next level above that. And this is the type of game, I think, that kind of shows why so many of us have been saying that he's going to be that next level kind of guy because he's now dipped into so many different moves, so many different ways to score that he's able to take advantage of things and he still has weaknesses he still has things that he needs to do he still definitely needs to clean up his handle and he still needs to find maybe a little bit more consistency with some of his shots but his ability to size up the guy who's defending him and figure out the best way to score whether it's off a pick and roll i mean pick and roll ball handler he can be really really good um he only had, what, one assist last night? Uh, that would be something else that he needs to improve, I would say. But the ability to kind of drive and kick, he did it at the exact right time, that pass to Hayward. Uh, and by the way, his reaction after that pass to Hayward was awesome. I mean, he was just thrilled, thrilled about the way that went. Um, his ability to do these different things is is really what makes him a star and is really what's going to get him so much attention here at All-Star Weekend in Chicago because that's going to be like that the most recent memory of Tatum's play is that amazing game that he had last night. Uh, I think he's able to take advantage of mismatches and they hunted out mismatches. One thing that they did in this game, and I don't know why the Clippers did this, but they switched They switched everything. And to switch everything for no reason, 
I, I don't understand. And this is what I've talked about in that podcast in Houston, uh, the crossover show. Kemba Walker was guarded by Landry Shamit, and then he kind of goes over and just sets a little brush screen on Kawhi Leonard. It's not even really a screen. It's just kind of like, I'm going to run and bump into Kawhi Leonard, and oh, we're going to switch. I, I don't understand why this, the, the Clippers switched that. Wouldn't you want Kawhi Leonard, who's your top defender, one of the league's top defender, a defensive player of the year, wouldn't you want him to guard the guy that's going off and closing in on 40 points and killing you? Why would you leave Landry Shamit on an island like that? I mean, they picked on him the entire fourth quarter, the entire overtime. They, Kemba attacked him. Uh, J- Jason attacked him. And, and often with just ridiculous success. Uh, shoot over the top of him. Uh, Kemba's move, that step back move. Oh, my God. Like, Brad joked about Montrez Harrell killing Grant Williams with that dunk, but what Kimball Walker did to Landry Shaman was so much worse. That was just sick. Um, but they hunted that out and got it. The Clippers gave it to them. I, I, I don't understand what the Clippers were doing in that moment because I wouldn't switch that. You, you get Kawhi back, you know, he can step back. He take a, a little step back and, and avoid that screen and then step up. Tatum's not pulling up from the logo. He's not Damian Lillard. I mean, he, he's a, a tremendous scorer, but, I mean, let's not confuse what his skill set is. He's not pulling up from 35 feet, 40 feet. Like, that's just not his game. So I, I don't I don't get it, but uh, he's going to take it. And, and that's the thing. That's, that's part of what makes – Star players, star players, like, oh, oh, you're going to put this guy on me? Well, I'm just going to torch him and just crush your hopes and dreams. Um, again, I, I got to point out that Tatum's ability to defend Kawhi Leonard and what he did in the fourth quarter uh, of this game was, in, in the overtime, was just uh, amazing. The staying with him and using his length to bother shots and Kawhi not being able to get to the rim and, and and do you know or even get into a comfortable place that was that was um that was impressive defense in the overtime in the fourth quarter in the two overtimes they both played 18 minutes Jason Tatum and Kawhi Leonard both took nine shots Tatum hit six of nine, 17 points, four rebounds, an assist, a block, two turnovers. Kawhi had two shots, two of nine. He scored five points, three rebounds, one assist, a steal, three turnovers. Those numbers should be reversed, if we're being honest. Like, coming into this game, if you were thinking that I'm going to give you two sets of numbers – and one belongs to Jason Tatum and one belongs to Kawhi Leonard. Those numbers should be reversed. But it was Tatum that was able to get the points, uh, and it was Kawhi that was shut down. And, again, the the Celtics hunting Landry Shamit and Tatum going off in those situations versus Tatum often directly defending Kawhi Leonard, I mean, that's... That's the difference right there. That's that's the game. 
not the other stuff. Although, the other stuff was interesting. I'm going to talk about some of the other stuff after the break here on the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. So one thing that stood out, uh, Lou Williams was just a killer. Um, the Celtics definitely need a more mobile big man. And uh, Robert Williams is going to be back on March. Well, not back on March 1st. March 1st is the target date. So the plan, if you haven't heard, Mar- uh, Robert Williams is going to come back practice with the team when they return from the all-star break on Wednesday they will uh, start ramping up his his effort his uh, practice time his workouts and start working him back into full speed and the goal is March 1st to start getting him back into some games uh, give or take a day or two but that's going to be the, uh, that's going to be where the Celtics are hoping to get Williams back. He is supposedly doing well. I mean, I've seen him out there dunking. I've seen him working out. He seems to be in good spirits, better spirits. So having Robert Williams down the stretch in that game would have been a better option than Ennis Cantor for sure. Uh, the the Clippers put the Celtics in pick and roll, uh, and Lou and Kawhi just – you know, ran that over and over and over again, and the Celtics had no answers. Uh, Grant Williams was not able to keep up for the most part, and his canter, there's no chance for for him to keep up. Uh, not only, not only is that part of his just overall deficiencies, he's he's that hip is just he's just a mess. I, I mean, I, I was talking to him in Houston, and he was just kind of like, eh, it's it's okay. You know, need the break. Um, and, and the Celtics need Ennis Cantor for certain stretches. They, they'll need a healthy Ennis Cantor on this team to go out there and do certain things. So uh, that hip is definitely limiting him uh, there. Uh, there. There was a controversial call that in the overtime that could have swung this game depends on what your I guess maybe maybe where you live uh, what you think of this game because uh, or this play because Lou Williams gets the ball in the left corner with 22 seconds to go in overtime the Celtics up three and he gets uh, he gets the ball and he gets fouled by Gordon Hayward and he rises up hits the hits the three you got one ref on the baseline staring at the play, and he calls it a good basket and one. You got another ref that handed the ball in on that same sideline, and he immediately, immediately waved it off before the ball went in. He just, as it was shot, he waved it off, and then they went and had a, a conference. And then Scott Foster comes in, who's the crew chief, and kind of settles things. So what we didn't get was the Houston double foul jump ball situation. They just made a call. And so I think they got it right. Uh, I've been looking at this over and over again. Williams gets the ball, and then 
Gordon Hayward puts his hands on him, and then uh, Lou Williams rises up. It's I think it's a pretty clear sequence of events that Lou shot the ball only after he was touched. I mean, if you look at the at, and I'm watching it right here as I'm talking, just to make sure that I'm seeing the exact same thing. If you look at when he's touched, he's got that ball down by his hip when he's touched. And it's then that he decides to shoot because Hayward is there to contest and Smart is there to double. And not only that, his foot's on the line, which somebody pointed out to me on Twitter. So even if they had made that call, I'm willing to bet they would have reviewed it and given him two even if they said even if you're a Clippers fan listening to this and you say oh that's bullshit then I can counter with well his foot was probably on the line and they would have given him the free throw and one with a two-pointer and he would have tied the game up which is exactly what Landry Shamit did on the next possession anyway so just want to address that this foul that uh, I'm sure we'll be drawing some controversy on the Clipper side of things. Uh, I don't think that it was as controversial as it seemed. And I think that uh, ultimately the this game ended up where it was supposed to end up. That even if Doc Rivers got what he wanted, it was going to end up being a three-point play because the foot was on the line. But I still think they got the call right. And I still think the Celtics screwed up by not uh, by by leaving Landry Shamit and and having him and, and he ended up uh, hitting that game tying shot. But Lou Williams still just wild, uh, the bucket getter. He's just, you watch him just performing like my God. Um, need to address this before I wrap up. Uh, Ky- uh, sorry, Kevin Garn. <clears throat> Kevin Garnett is getting his number five retired. This was a surprise during the game. In fact, I couldn't tell you what happened right now between the time they showed that video and like two minutes left to go in the first quarter because they showed that video. It was weird. So, you know, it's a timeout. Something, you know, Jumbotron, whatever. They, they Something flashes up there. And then they do like the test pattern and tone. I was like, Whatever this bit is, it's annoying because they let that tone go for a little too long. And then all of a sudden you start hearing the loonies, I got five on it. Kind of that slowed down backgrounds music. And I was like, all right, what's this? And you hear Kevin Garnett. And for a second there, I thought they were going to announce that Kevin Garnett was there. Like they were doing a little video and Kevin Garnett was going to be there. And that was just going to be a big pop from the crowd. No, it kept on going, and then they showed that his number five is going up in the rafters next season, which I think is awesome. Um, There are people who pushed back and said that he shouldn't have his number retired for some reason. Um, I think that uh, the culture change that he brought to Boston was so – Amazing. It was so 
much of a 180 from what the Celtics had been that it's it's beyond deserved. You got to remember where the Celtics were in 2007. The last time they had won a championship was 1986. They had suffered through um, tragedy. They have suffered through the the death of Len Bias, the death of Reggie Lewis, and that completely, from a basketball perspective, derailed the entire future of the franchise. And then they go through the Rick Pitino years, and they go through the Paul Pierce petulance years. And it wasn't until Doc Rivers came and they had to come to Jesus that Pierce decided, like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to commit and, and be what this team needs me to be and not some, you know, ego-driven scorer. And then Kevin Garnett comes to Boston and along with Ray Allen, and all of a sudden everything changed. The What Kevin Garnett did for that group is immeasurable. Um, it's not just, hey, we got three good players, and we went out there and we played and did well. Kevin Garnett, he permeated the entire organization. I compare it to uh, that Venom comic book character where like it just became, he became the entire culture of the Celtics. He embraced everything to such a degree that he drove that entire franchise to success. And yeah, they only won one championship, but because of injuries. And if it wasn't for a couple of injuries, you could make the case for two or maybe even three championships in Boston and what he did to turn around that franchise, they still feel it. They still feel Kevin Garnett's impact in the, in that organization today. He set the standard for how you should conduct yourself as a pro. He set the standard for how you should conduct yourself as a player, as a teammate. Uh, it, It just, the impact goes beyond the stats and beyond the six years that he played. It is just uh, a a legacy that needs to be celebrated. And, and frankly, I think that he's good enough to be considered even the second best power forward in team history. And I know there's going to be some debate over uh, him and Tommy Heinsohn, who was a phenomenal power forward. People kind of maybe don't remember him as a phenomenal power forward, but um, back in the day, he was he was a hell of a player, one of the best. I think I think Kevin Garnett surpassed him, just not just on the court, but just in the impact that he had on the organization. So I know some people disagree, but I I'm completely I agree and and very happy that they are doing this. I'm happy that I'm going to get a chance to be there for it. That's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to it. The video that they played. Gave me chills when I watched it. Um, Marcus Smart said it gave him chills. It fired him up. It was an amazing moment uh, last night and kind of set the tone for what the entire night was. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, This is one way to kill time on a drive by sitting here talking into a recorder while my guy Sean listens to a live Celtics podcast. What do you think? You a Celtics oh, fan? Uh, yeah, I don't follow, but I just watch sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you got to be a Celtics fan. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so nice of Sean to indulge me and let me record this podcast here. Uh, I'm running around Chicago. I'm going to try and give you guys 
more content throughout the weekend. Um, I don't know if I'm going to release it in little bits or maybe wait until Saturday or Sunday to kind of release something. I'm not sure. It kind of depends on what I get, but there's a lot going on here for All-Star Weekend. And this is also my first All-Star Weekend covering it. Uh, I've been to a couple of All-Star games, been behind the scenes at a couple of All-Star games, but this is my first time going and really cultivating content. So uh, hopefully uh, I can get some good stuff. I'll be at the uh, All-Star practices. I'll be at the commissioner's media availability. So uh, we'll see how it goes. And hopefully you enjoy this. And uh, sorry that it's up late. I got out of that game by the time I got back home. It was like 1.30 in the morning and my flight had to be uh, out the door at 6.30 in the morning. So I was just not able to record a podcast, but hopefully you get this for your ride home. So thanks for listening. Hope everybody subscribes to the podcast. If you haven't, a five-star rating and a good written review would be amazing. Share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.